was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? Imaginary friend? He's the devil. again. He's getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike joining me, as always, with Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, Frank Henenlotter fans. If you don't understand my greeting this week, stay tuned. All will be revealed. I'm pretty sure Don knows what I'm talking about, though. Oh, yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. exactly where that's coming from. <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How you doing? Pretty good, man. We we can finally say Summer Series is in the rearview mirror, Woo! at least for 2021. I get like, to watch cartoons again. Yay! <laughs> I know. It feels like for the first time in a while, like tonight after I'm done with just all my normal routine stuff, I can just throw on a movie just to throw on a movie. <laughs> I know. I think I watched, uh, after the series was over, I, I threw on Spaceballs, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is the first non-horror movie I think I've watched in like three months. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, I, I I need to get back to my guilty pleasures. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like even like the 2021 backlogs filling up because even though we've been doing, you know, a movie a week for this, there's still so many other ones that get released that normally I'd be watching outside of this show, but just haven't had as much time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've got October coming up, so that'll probably help out a lot. Yeah. True. And that is the voice of Don and Nelly. Welcome, Don, again, all like always. How are you? Uh, what's going on? Yeah, I'm glad to be here as always. Uh, this is going to be a fun one, I can tell. <laughs> 
All right. And, and just to make it extra fun, we uh, grabbed a guest for this episode. He is returning to the show. I think he's been on a couple times at least. It's uh, Wild Man Willis Wheeler. What's up, Willis? How are you? Same shit, different day, but all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So we are talking a movie that just released, obviously, and this one had a simultaneous release, theater and HBO Max kind of becoming a trend or at least a more uh, frequent trend now and we'll see you know how that affects movies going in the future we'll see if it increases if uh, uh, you know it leads to more movies not getting a theatrical release in the future perhaps but that movie this time would be Malignant and I will look to IMDB as I usually do for the synopsis Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are, in fact, terrifying realities. Well, the reality on this show is we usually go to Venom first for general thoughts. But hey, traditions are made to be broken. I can't say uh, we won't go right back to it next episode, but for one episode, let's shake things up and go to Dawn first for general thoughts. So, Dawn, what did you think of Malignant? Okay, so um, I've been debating whether whether or not I feel about this one ever since I saw it. For the most part, I really, really like it. I want to be in love with it, but I can't. Now, when this one works, this is probably some of the best stuff from Juan I've seen all from in his career. Um, not necessarily as cohesive as um, cohesive a film as uh, The Conjuring, which is still my favorite film he's done, and a film that I rightly believe is one of the top five films of the entire 2010s. Um, when we covered uh, Conjuring three earlier this year, um, I told I said that that was what I think of when I think of glossy, well-crafted studio studio-made horror films, and and that still holds true after watching Malignant. When it comes to his scare scenes, this is some of the best stuff he's never made. Um, just gritty, brutal, violent, well-engaged. I had an absolute blast with those scenes in here. Uh, probably, I would say, some of my all-time favorites. But good God, is this story a fucking disaster. Uh, <laughs> this thing is this is just an abject mess from beginning to end. And anybody that doesn't see what see what's going see that i have no idea what film you're looking at um oh god uh jeez uh from the beginning we're led to believe that this is some kind of haunted house film that turns into some kind of weird slasher story that just automatically turns into some kind of body possession mutant baby kind of a thing like i have no idea where in the hell this thing is going and very very little of it makes any kind of sense with any kind of logic or rationale or any kind of what you would call great story writing. You can tell that this is not something Juan did because he does not have this kind of flimsy logic or any kind of just absolutely terrible motivations for anything going on in here. And it, nowhere is that more apparent in the third act when all of a sudden this thing just hit been you know the first two-thirds of the film it's a fun ride you know you got a lot going on but it's still interesting it's just 
you know, all of a sudden the third act just goes completely batshit crazy in the worst way possible, just throwing cliches, just, I mean, they're not even cliches, it's just absolutely bonkers storylines and story plots just out of nowhere, and, you know, they don't co- they don't merge together to form anything relating related to a, a plot plausible storyline at all they're just you know random completely out of the wall you know concepts and ideas and the worst part of all is, is that everything that he does to to be infused into the storyline they're coming from other films i mean i've counted five or six different possible there's like five or six different films just off the top of my head that he takes ideas from you know the hen and Lauder line is an absolutely no-brainer i mean you know <laughs> No, this thing rips off of this thing rips off basket case to an absurd degree. But I mean, you know, there's you know, everybody mentions the Giallo influences. I mean, I can name, you know, 20 of them off the top of my head that this thing takes from, you know, there's Saw, there's, you know, Insidious. I mean, a couple of the you know, couple of the set pieces here are cribbed directly from The Conjuring itself. Uh I mean, I could go on and on, but I I'd rather not really well, you know this because we're not we're not in that section yet. But yeah, uh, the storyline to this just really keeps me from liking it, and that's the sh- the sad part is that that I've spent so because, like I said, the rest of the film I just I really enjoyed, and I had so much fun with it for the first two thirds. But God, that last, ugh. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna leave it there just so that way it's not. Uh, uh, spoiling anything, but yeah, uh, two thirds of an amazing film. Just it goes off the rails in the last third, not in a good way. So uh, take it All away. Right. <laughs> uh, I will kick it over to Venom for general thoughts on Maligna. All right. Um, actually, Don and I feel a lot of the same way about a lot of the scenes, especially the act breakdown, the three act breakdown here. But I'm going to come in a little bit lower than Don. I'm not going to say that I loved anything about this film. After watching this film, it's equal parts basket case, the dark half, uh, the police procedural scenes from Seven, and then throw in a little dash of The Matrix. Now, on paper, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? I'm here to tell you it's not nearly as awesome as that sounds because uh, throughout this film, it feels like James Wan didn't know what kind of movie he wanted to make. Um, I I, I was speaking to someone last night about this movie, and uh, we both kind of decided that this movie feels like a demo reel. It literally feels like James Wan's demo reel to, like, big studios. Like, he's basically putting out this movie and saying, hey, big studios, look, I can make an action movie. I can make a family drama. I obviously can make a horror film. And I can do a police procedural. You, you know what I mean? It's like he's he's throwing all these different ingredients into the soup. But once the soup is done, it doesn't taste very good. And unfortunately, it's because way too many ingredients. He's just putting way too much in this film. Now, like Don, I was on board for this film for the first two acts. I'm not saying that I loved it for the first two acts, because unfortunately, uh, just about every kill in this movie is CG. We got terrible CGI blood splashes all over the place. Some of them that look awful. I mean, the very first kill, uh, you know, when Gabriel goes after the first doctor, 
that kill looks awful. It looks like a video game kill. Like the blood that's splurting up from the wound literally looks like video game blood. It's just this movie. And, and I can't really get into too much of the reveal uh, until we get to the spoiler section, but because of the kind of movie this is, I don't agree with all the use of CGI. Um, when we get into the spoiler section, I'll talk about why I agree with the use of CGI in stuff like The Conjuring and Insidious, but not in this film. But I can't really say uh, here because it would be a little bit of a spoiler. So I'll save it for later. Um, and yeah, holy shit, the third act is just batshit insane. It's like they spend the first hour to hour and a half of the movie. Mind you, this is a two hour movie film, uh, a two hour film, by the way, guys. So. You know, you're, you're in for a long one. Um, but luckily, it doesn't feel two hours. I will say that the pacing is OK. Maybe it was just because I was constantly scratching my head like, what the fuck did I just watch uh, that made the pacing just feel like it was going fast? I mean, even during the slow scenes, uh, that was a lot of like the police procedural like I was talking about earlier. So, you know, um, they're still trying to unravel the mystery. Unfortunately, uh, the filmmakers here, they tip their hat way too early. I, I think any seasoned horror fan is going to know where this movie is going well before the halfway point. By, I mean, by the halfway point, I was already like, OK, we're getting one of two endings. We're getting this one or we're getting this one. And we got ending A that I predicted. And uh, it doesn't necessarily ruin the movie in and of itself. Um, it's just in execution. It's terrible. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with Don just slightly and say that I'm okay with this story on paper. Like, I think this is an okay story. It's definitely not anything original, nothing that we haven't seen before. Maybe it's something we haven't seen in a while, at least, you know, eighties, nineties. I can't think of anything over the last 20 years that reminds me of malignant, but at the same time, um, because it reminds you of so many other films, uh, it tips its hat. Uh, a little too early and I and I think that's kind of a detriment to the film because I was getting into it when there was still somewhat of a mystery but once like I said as a seasoned horror fan once you put all the clues together and you realize where the movie is going then we get to that point where it's like okay let's get to the ending I already know where it's going I don't need to see all of this um yeah, there are some action sequences here that are equal parts awesome and equal parts ludicrous. And, oh, man, I love using that word. I'm glad I could bring ludicrous to the table today. But, yeah, this movie is a weird one. Um, they spend the first half of the movie grounded in reality and trying to tell a genuinely dark story. But then by the time we get to the third act, like I said, it turns into the Matrix and it's like video game effects and just awful CGI throughout the film. Not just the blood kills, uh, you know, the blood from the kills, but Gabriel himself, like as he's running around and, you know, jumping down that scene where he's jumping down the fire escapes. It took all my willpower not to yell in the theater, parkour, huh, parkour, yeah. I, I just, You're a better guy than me, I'll admit that. <laughs> I just could not resist. I oh god, and, and it, like like I said, it just looks so bad in CG. And once we get the reveal of what Gabriel actually is, uh, like I said, I just completely disagree with the use of CG here. But like I said, we'll get into it a little bit more. Overall, I'm going to say I'm a little bit more down on this film than Don. Um, I wanted to like this a lot, uh, but let's talk about a, a few positives before I turn it over to uh, our guests. 
Um, I will say that our lead actress, Annabelle Wallace, did a really good job. I thought she was probably, she was easily the best performance in the movie. Now, her performance may have been heightened because of all the terrible performances around her, because I just about hated everybody else in the movie. Both of the detectives were terrible. Uh, her mother was terrible. Her sister, eh, mildly terrible. I mean, and she even plays an actress in the movie. In the movie, she's a working actress. And I'm like, wow, you'd think you could act better if you were a working actress, but apparently not. So, yeah, uh, the performances around our main star are so bad that it might elevate hers. But ultimately, I did watch this movie a second time at home, and I will stick with that, that I think Annabelle did a really good job as Madison Mitchell, our main heroine. And then the other thing is the score. Um, I, like I said, I saw this in the theater Saturday, and then I watched it again today on HBO Max before we recorded. And man, in the theater, this score is so powerful. It's big. It's vibrant. Um, it just, it, it, it hit me so much better in the theater. And then when I watched it at home, it actually ended up getting a little hokey, like turning into almost haunted house music or, uh, it's hard to even put, uh, put into words, maybe like a, you know, TV horror film, something like that. But man, uh, what else, what else can I say positive about this? I mean, there's some decent tension throughout though. Not nearly as many tension breakers as uh, last week's film, uh, The Old Ways, um, but there's still a few here and there. Um, some unintentional comedy, definitely, mostly with the police detectives, so it's obviously not very funny. Um, but, I mean, I can't think of really too many other positive things I can say about it without getting into spoilers, but yeah. For me, um, this is not one of James Wan's best. Um, I am also a fan, a big fan of The Conjuring. I love the first two Insidious films. Those are, um, I, I, Insidious 2 is actually one of my favorite James Wan's movies, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, this one, if the third act would have felt more like the first two, I would say, I would agree with Don and say that it's like one of his best films. But because that third act is so tonally different from the rest of the film I, I gotta just say it left me with a sour taste in my mouth and then the happy sappy ending at the end uh i've already i've already voiced my opinion on this folks i hate horror movies with happy endings it, it it just doesn't feel like a horror movie occurred if there's a happy ending and unfortunately we get a we, we not only do we get a happy ending we get a happy ending it doesn't make any fucking sense but we'll get into that in the spoilers um, so yeah, uh, I guess the long and the short of it is, um, not the biggest fan of the movie, even though, you know, I was into it for the first couple of acts, but once it gets into the third act, you're left scratching your head, like what the hell is going on? Um, uh, I will say I like the design on Gabriel. I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of complaints that, you know, the, the creature design on Gabriel was not, you know, very great. Uh, I'm okay with it. In fact, I love the reveal. I love the actual shot, which I'm not going to get into specifically, so I don't spoil any, um, you know, story points, but the actual shot that shows us Gabriel for the first time, I really liked, um, a little cliche with the score, obviously the, the audio sting, as the camera turns the corner, but still, I, I did dig that shot. Like I said, at that point in the film, I'm still on board. I'm thinking, okay, this is over the top and ludicrous, but I'm still on board. But yeah, once we get to the police station and there's a big action sequence there, 
Oof, yeah, the movie takes an absolute left turn. So I'm going to leave it at that and just say middle of the road for me at best. I didn't hate this movie, but I can't really say that I liked it very much. Okay. Uh, next up, we will go to our guest of the episode, Willis. What did you think of a malignant? Well, the previews and the actual movie that we've seen is two totally different things. <laughs> I was thinking this was going to be a ghost movie with her getting attacked by this ghost and, and it's following her around and all this kind of shit. I did not think it was going to go where it did. And when it went to that point in the middle of the movie, it just pissed me off beyond repair. And I was like, what the hell am I watching? All I could see is the that sock puppet in the back of her head. That's the only thing I could think of when they showed that part on the videotape. The damn sock puppet on the back of her head. I was like, man, and then the powers of, of Gabriel, they couldn't make up their mind. Was he yep. a kung fu master? Yeah. Professor X from the X-Men or what? They It seemed like the, the monster had powers just conveniently whatever it needed to do. And at one point during the movie, the monster looked totally different from the beginning of the movie yeah. and it did near the end of the movie and that kind of threw me off too and another thing that threw me off what the hell happened to the baby they never said anything about the baby in the beginning of the movie that she was pregnant with they just totally dropped that from the whole she movie lost. I said in the, that's why she's in the hospital she lost it oh I don't remember them saying that so I must yeah. have missed that part mm-hmm. yeah they said yeah she lost it in the that's why she's in the hospital. Oh, I thought they was talking about the um, her mama had a whole bunch of miscarriages. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, so, that was her. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it just seemed like he didn't know what kind of movie he wanted to make. <laughs> That's what kind of pissed me off about this movie. I was like, and how the hell did the damn thing know how to do karate? Yeah. It, did, it did karate better than goddamn John Wick. They ain't explain none of that. They ain't show her watching no action movie on the TV or nothing for them to explain why she could do all that. And it had electric powers. It had magnet powers. I thought they had, they was mixing Electro and Magneto and PFSX. That thing was a damn mutant. I could understand if they had explained everything in it to make sense, but it just was totally ludicrous. I think people was just starved for a different time of, type of horror movie. That's the reason why some people really like this. Mm-hmm. They need to um do do something better with their sales than that. Because this this movie was just bad. And the total design of the creature, he stole that from this comic book called The Darkness. If you ever yes. um pull up the darkness, he looked just like the damn darkness. So that that design was nothing original in that character whatsoever. So yeah, it, people act like this is something brand new and, and something they never seen before. It just stole shit from all kind of damn genres and made it into one whole damn movie that barely made any sense. That's my rant. Uh, 
Okay, well, so far we have three opinions that really kind of span uh, the spectrum, so allow me to add a fourth that's going to be different from everyone else's. <laughs> I'm about where everyone is on like the overall like-dislike of the movie. I, I think it's an alright movie. I don't think it's great. I mean, I think it's it's somewhere in the all right to good area. Um, but I am going to maybe be the different one and say, I actually thought the third act was the best part of the movie as, as crazy and over the top it was. Now with that said in the context of the movie itself, I understand like why everyone is saying what they are about the third act because tonally it doesn't match up with the rest of the movie. It feels like it becomes a completely different movie. Um, I liked, uh, was it Venom that talked about it almost? The movie feels like a daily sheet of like potential different movies to Demo make. Demo reel. <laughs> Demo reel. Sorry. Um, so I agree with all that. The, but to me, it, it was like once the third act starts happening and everything's going batshit crazy, all I could, or what I could not get out of my mind was like, well, this is kind of fun, but why the hell did it take an hour and a half to get to this? Because I thought. The movie was actually pretty slow leading up to that. Um, once we, so there's, we kind of get bits and pieces of story, you know, in the preceding 90 minutes. And I, I think the reveal that you guys might be talking about or kind of the scene where they really show like footage. I thought that was great. And I was like, why didn't they just like skip to like this half hour 45 minutes ago and then go right into what we're getting and then make the movie just more of what we got in the third act i i think to me the biggest problem with this movie is just it's it's all over the place there's like bits and pieces from the movie that you can pull out and isolate and say oh this is a really good idea or this scene is like really good but it but as a movie it just feels so clusterfucky and like <laughs> it's it, it, it just pulling you every in every direction of what kind of movie it's trying to be um i mean there is something to be said about just batshit insane cinema overall and it's not always a bad thing but usually the that type of genre if it's if you even consider a genre it tends to be that kind of movie like all the way through um something like a vfw where you know it sets the stage for what you're expecting to me this one it set the stage and then totally moved to like second stage, you know, and just said, Oh, we're setting the table for this, but now it's actually going to be this. Okay. Now, the problem is I liked the, this afterwards, but everything preceding it, I just felt it was a little slow paced. It, it, it was, uh, man, I don't know. And maybe like rewatching it would change because I, you know, I mm. thought like, I, I also thought like the, I'll just say the villain. That'll keep it nice and vague enough. Uh -huh. I thought if that aspect felt so overexposed the first 90 minutes that it, it, it almost nothing about it came off scary. Now, the kills themselves, uh, those were fine, the actual kills. Uh -huh. But the, the I'm not going to say they're great. Uh, there's, a, there's like one or two that I, I thought were better than most. But um, I, I guess because of the how crazy goes in the third act maybe that justifies why we got so much overexposure at the beginning because it's like well if it's going to turn into this kind of movie anyway what's the harm in just having the thing in every other damn scene anyway but um yeah i don't know 
there seems to be like a lot of love for this movie on social yeah. media, and I want to say I don't get it. Like, I, I if you like the movie, that's fine. But people rating it like a nine and ten, I'm just like, Ooh. what? Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't understand that. But um, yeah, without repeating, because now we have three people worth that I'd be repeating stuff from. <laughs> so I'm not going to repeat too much that everyone said right now. Generally, I agree with the criticisms. I just happen to like a different part of the movie. But um, I'll leave it at that for general thoughts, because with four of us tonight, we'll probably have plenty to get to in spoilers. So That says a lot, though, that you like the third act, but found the first two acts boring or slow, however you want to say. Yeah, I won't say boring. I just felt like once we got to the third act, it was kind of like, well, why did we need it? hour and a half to get if this was the type of movie that it was going to turn into why not cut yes. the movie by 20 25 minutes and just give us this because i would i would have been perfectly happy if it was that type of movie the whole way or at least you know maybe 20 30 minutes of backstory i like i feel like we almost could have chopped off like a half hour got to the scene um where they kind of reveal like literally what is going on with her mm-hmm. got to that maybe 20, 30 minutes into the movie and then given us that third act, but much more of it. And I would have been happy. Now, a lot of people are the opposite. They're like, the third act is where I stop liking it. Um, so it's because I, it takes I, such a drastic tonal change though. I mean, it's like you're watching, you're solidly watching a horror film for the first two acts. Mm-hmm. And then it just drastically changes genre in the third act, which I know is going to work for some people. Uh, just for me, it doesn't because the first two acts write a check that the third act can't cash. And I don't appreciate that. I agree with you. If the movie were shorter and more of the film were like the third act, then I could accept it. I could be like, okay, that's what they were going for. But you could make the argument that all three acts of this film are three different movies. Cause tonally they're all different. You know, you've got family mm-hmm. drama, you've got police procedural, you've got slasher, you've got, the the hint of supernatural early in the film. I mean, so much going on that it, it I don't know. It just and, and I did rewatch this, and on second watch, it was even worse for me um, because on second watch, we all do that sixth sense thing where we'll watch a movie the second time after we get the reveal to see how it was filmed and if they did everything well. And yeah, this movie is not the sixth sense because yeah. on second watch, I'm looking for everything and I'm like, well, that's not right. If if the ending is true, well, then that's not right. Well, that's not right either. I'm just all I'm doing on second watch is picking out all the mistakes and it's bringing the movie down for me, which is unfortunate because it's already not very high for me. Yeah, this she, movie seemed like it wanted its cake and wanted to eat it, too. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and every and different flavors of cake and then some pie and then, <laughs> yeah. you know, a cup, a cupcake. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I love James Wan. I generally love James Wan. I do from the beginning. I mean, Saw is probably my second favorite horror franchise. Um, I've already, you know, I agree with Don on The Conjuring being one of the best Hollywood horror films of the decade, you know, a theatrical release horror of the decade. Um, but man, this one, like I said, it felt like James Wan for the first couple of acts. It had James Wan's DNA all over it. I mean, if you want, uh, think about the... Um, 
what am I thinking of? The uh, the hypnotism scene where Madison gets hypnotized. Very reminiscent of that exact same style scene from The Conjuring when they kind of hypnotize um, Perrin, uh, the Perrin wife, and, you know, they find out that Bathsheba's in there. It's very similar. Not exactly. Uh, the Conjuring does it better, definitely, but... Um, that's what I mean. It's like, like Willis said, as you're watching this movie, it just reminds you of so many other things that you've already seen that it almost takes you out of the film. And then that drastic tonal change in the third act, though, you know, I, I, I'm very happy that Mike loves it. I wanted to like it. I genuinely did, but I just can't wrap my head around it that I get a horror movie for two thirds and then I get an action movie at the, for the final act. And it's just a little jarring. Um, and like I said, the CG did not help the, the fact that just about everything in this is CG, very little practical, just bothers the hell out of me. Um, I know this is James Wan and James Wan is not a practical effects guy. I, I appreciate that, but because of who our antagonist turns out to be in this film, I think the use of CG was an absolute mistake. Just a, just 100% a mistake. He should have done everything practical. Even if it doesn't look good, it would have made more sense if it was done practically. So yeah, yeah. I want to like this movie. I genuinely do. But I just the more I think about it, the more issues I have with it. And and as fun as some scenes are, because like I said, there are some set pieces I really enjoyed. Uh, I thought all the stuff with the videotapes is great as the as the adoptive mom and sister are watching the videos revealing Madison's <laughs> past. I was loving that those like the video is as silly and hokey as they looked. I was still having a good time. Edge of my seat, if you will, like, holy shit. You know, because as much as I was kind of expecting that, I didn't think it was going to look like that. So <laughs> whatever it's worth, it was a mild surprise. I did like the first half of the action sequence at the police station, uh, specifically everything that happens inside of the jail cell when Madison is put in the holding cell. That sequence, I loved. I, I was laughing my ass off. I was applauding in the theater. I'm like, all right, this is cool. But then they do the second half of that sequence outside of the jail cell where it's out in like the, the, the office part of the police station. And it looks like a fucking video game. The CG is so thick and the moves that Gabriel are pulling off just they make no goddamn sense. Um, it just man, what what a what a tale of two like two sides of a coin. The first half of that action sequence. Awesome. The second half garbage. So, you know, I, like I said, this is this is what I mean about tonally. It's all over the place because it's like one scene I'm on board and then literally they'll ruin that in the very next scene. And it's like, well, what the fuck? And then, like I said, the terrible acting performances by the supporting cast did not help. So, yeah, I think uh, he yeah. was still thinking he was still making Aquaman. Oh, God, <laughs> Aquaman is a masterpiece compared to this thing. I know, right? <laughs> With all the action and the fighting, I think he still thought he was making Aquaman. <laughs> I was waiting for a superhero to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, right? That might have improved the movie. <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't know. I, I mean, does anybody else have anything to say that uh, doesn't include th that, that spoiler free? Any? Uh, no, mm -hmm. I mean, I would just say because I didn't. I usually make it a habit not to like read full on reviews going into movies I haven't seen. I I just saw enough on social media to know that the third act kind of like flipped things. I didn't know how because I didn't read enough 
details, but going like I know the general consensus outside of me, not just with you guys, but just it seems like in general most people are like, okay, the first two acts are very James Wan like, and then the third act is where things go bonkers. But me personally, I didn't even feel like the first two acts were necessary like that creepy or scary because of so much overexposure like to me i i just didn't like maybe i was expecting something a little more creepy um maybe more score driven you know james wan's kind of known for that too and i don't know i just didn't think the first two acts were as good as i was expecting based on reaction now it definitely felt more james one like than the third act i can't sure. deny that despite me enjoying the third act but yeah this, this movie is like a mess to some people it's probably a beautiful mess but yeah. i just kind of think it's a mess <laughs> I mean, it's absolute madness and to people who just like movies that are just all over the place yeah it's definitely for them like if you're a fan of like for example, if you're a fan of the first Basket Case, I wouldn't recommend this movie. But if you're a fan of Basket Case 3, I would recommend this movie because they're very similar tonally. You know, the action sequences, blah, 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 blah. Um, but well, yeah, there's thanks, just... Thanks, thanks Killing versus Thanks Killing 3. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen 3, if there is a 3. But anyway. Um, yeah, there's yeah. Th- there is? Oh, wow. Um, they, yeah, there is a 3. They just don't have 2. Hmm. Oh yeah, they kind of they, they kind of did the title as a joke. Gotcha, gotcha. You um, know what but, this movie feel like to me? What's that? It feel like Transformers: The Last Night. <laughs> if anybody's seen that movie, oh. it's long and drawn out, and it's like two or three different scripts in one movie. Yes, and nothing and nothing adds up really much until the end, and the end ain't all that great. That's how this movie reminds me of. This is the last night of James Wan movies. <laughs> um, this movie reminded me, I don't know if Mike and Don, if you guys remember, last year we did a movie. Uh, it was an indie, independent movie, and it was actually like the director took three of his shorts and just edited them. This year at Dawn We Sleep. At Dawn We Sleep. At Dawn They Come. That's right. At Dawn They Come. Yeah, the the, the supposed werewolf movie yeah yeah um this that's what it felt like if you watch that movie you can tell without even watching or without even knowing that it's actually comprised of three different pieces of content that they put together this one though not as egregious still feels that way to me it feels like there's pieces of like three or four different scripts in this movie and and like James Wan was like well I can't make three different movies so I'm just going to make one and I'm going to use elements of all of them in there you know what I mean and um I'm sure it's going to work for a lot of people obviously you know I've I've seen the uh the response on social media some people absolutely love it some people absolutely hate it I haven't really spoken to too many people that are right down the center kind of like I am cuz like as of right now, I still am not sure like what kind of rating I would give this. Like on a one to thank God we don't do ratings on this show because I have no idea what I'd give it one to ten. It's like I'll think about one scene and I'll I'll be like, oh yeah, cool, I'll bump up the score. But then I'll think about a line delivery from the female detective and it's like, oh, that was cringeworthy as hell. I got to bring it down. So, ooh, thank you for not having ratings on this show, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're talking about the the storyline. Is do you think this is a factor of the fact that Juan didn't write it? This is given to another writer. Did he not write it? He he no. has a writing credit. 
I don't. I don't remember him actually having a writing credit on this. I thought. No, I mean, on IMDb he has one. He's the first writer, actually. I'm, I, I'm not sure how much of it he wrote, but there are three people credited as the writer, and he is one of them. So I don't I, know. I didn't see it as. It, I didn't see that. Right, I thought it was though. somebody else. You're right. It doesn't feel like he wrote it. It has his DNA as far as his direction goes. Right. It feels like a James Wan movie at times. But I, I didn't feel like I, I totally agree with you. It doesn't feel like a James Wan written film. So maybe his contribution wasn't nearly as large as Insidious or The Conjuring, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, man, <laughs> I'm thinking those other two writers must have had a big influence on him. And that's why and that's part of the reason that I also think it feels like three different movies because they're three different writers. I almost feel like they each brought a concept to the table and they're like, fuck it, let's put it all together. And and we have malignant. So <laughs> the that? first two guys were the ones responsible for the story, and Juan is like, God damn it, how the hell am I going to make this thing work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. All right. So uh, I guess uh, this will be your spoiler warning, folks. We're gonna get into some spoilers, some plot points. Uh, where the hell do we begin, Mike? <laughs> Jeez. Um. That's a good question. I mean, so should we just like kind of break down exactly what's going on in it? Because I mean, I don't think we need to necessarily go through the whole movie, but I, I'll break it down. Oh, do it. All this movie is is what's the girl's name? Is it Anna Madison? Madison, Madison has a, a malignant um twin on the back of her head. With little short T Rex arms, and it has um, electric powers that can talk through damn radios and make electricity bomb everywhere. And the doctors basically take it apart since their brains are connected together. They got to push the whole brain back in their head, and she got to forget that she even has that thing in the back of her head. But then she messes with her ex her ex husband is a jackass and abuser and he got pissed off at her, knocked her against the wall, busted her head open, and that woke Gabriel back up and then hilarity ensues. Nice. <laughs> hilarity ensues. <laughs> that's that's always the best way to end a description. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Willis is not wrong. Uh basically we spend uh, the majority of the film trying to figure out why Madison has these visions of murder as they're com- as they're happening. Um, as it turns out, the reason that she's having these visions of murder is because it's her dumb ass who's killing all these people. Uh, basically, after the operation, after they... Uh, so basically, what it is, is Gabriel is not a conjoined twin by definition. Conjoined twins, uh, their body parts and organs work independently. But when you have a conjoined twin that actually shares a heart or or a brain or whatever, it's it's considered a parasitic twin. So Gabriel is basically a parasitic twin that um, Madison partially absorbed in utero when their mother was pregnant with them. They were obviously twins. She, you know, we all know that a lot of times when, you know, um, a mother has two fetuses going, one of them will just absorb the other and end up, you know, she only has one child. 
Um, that's basically what we have here. That's why I bring up the dark half, because that's basically the, uh, you know, the Christopher Walken, Stephen King movie is uh, basically the same concept. Uh, uh, you're thinking of Dead Zone. Dead Zone. Dark half Dead is Zone. The one with the yeah, Dark Half is the one with the writer with the split personality. You're absolutely right. Yep, I got my titles mixed up. Dead Zone. Yes, Dead Zone. So I probably confused everybody in the spoiler-free section. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so... Um, she partially absorbs him, but to the point, like Willis said, that he's basically attached to her back from the top of her head down to about the base of her spine. And basically three quarters of a human being is sticking out of her back. He can't talk, you know, he doesn't have vocal cords, but somehow he has the, the ability to broadcast his thoughts on electronic uh, devices, radios, televisions, uh, things like that. And, um, to hilarious results sometimes. <laughs> I, there were some times where Gabriel's voice was creepy and I was genuinely on edge. And then there were other times where I'm like, oh my God, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> like when he says it's her imaginary friend and then laughs on the phone. Holy shit, my eyes almost <laughs> rolled out of my head. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, so that that's our the basic gist of the story is that it turns out uh, Madison is actually Emily May. Uh, a girl from uh, the cold open. And by the way, the cold open, none of us mentioned the cold open uh, during the beginning of the show, but the cold open is so hokey with some of the worst acting in the film. Like some people in the, in the cold open are overacting. Other people are uh, underacting. It just, it, it feels like a kind of a schlocky uh, supernatural movie. So after you see that cold open, you think, okay, cool. I'm in for some kind of silly over the top fun, you know, um, whatever type of horror film. Like you're in for the third act, but like that's, that's because yes. after that kind of cold opening, I was expecting the third act to basically be the type of movie we were going to get the whole time. And it almost makes me think like they shouldn't, they should have just cut the cold opening. Cause oh, I yeah. feel like the cold opening sets us, it's so, like you said, schlocky and almost goofy. Yep. <laughs> it almost gets to that goofy level of like, okay, Juan's going to do schlock and I'm in for it. And then the first two acts are not that. And then also in the third act, I'm like, oh, this is what the cold opening was telling us was coming. Yeah. If the, if the, if the entire movie would have been like the third act and the cold open, I'm down for it. I mean, I, I am not against a ridiculous over the top James Wan horror movie, not by any stretch, but like I said, the problem is that he plays it straight for the majority of the film. And then out of nowhere, it becomes the matrix without, you know, all the talent behind the camera and in front of the camera for that matter. So yeah, it's just, whoo. It's definitely, like I said, it's just no one can expect that third act coming. I mean, if you're watching this movie, that third act is an absolute surprise. Once we get to the jail and, you know, uh, Madison is attacked, she's basically, she uh, because she has visions of these murders, she ends up being the number one suspect in, in the crime, in the, the murder spree. And then when another victim falls through her roof, uh, basically, it turns out Gabriel was keeping another victim up uh, in the attic of uh, Madison's house. And at, at the exact moment when the police and a uh, psychologist are there, she falls through the roof. Uh, Madison then gets arrested because obviously, you know, th th she's got someone in her attic, which, by the way, uh, turns out to be her birth mother. Th that really bothered me. But again, whatever. 
Gabriel, Gabriel is like the best detective ever because how the hell did he find his mother without, I mean, Gabriel didn't have any like use of a computer, no files, no nothing. He just magically, oh, I know where my mother is. I'm going to go get her. I know where all these doctors are, you know, just like magically. They never, they never, it's kind of like Michael Myers at the beginning of H2O. Like, how the hell did he out of nowhere find Laurie Strode on the other side of the country, you know, in California? Michael Myers and uh, Gabriel have the same GPS, apparently. But yeah, I mean, after, you know, a- after Madison is arrested, she's the she's the main culprit. Then we get the reveal, which Willis went through all the surgery. They weren't able to completely take Gabriel off of her because they shared a brain. So they literally jammed the rest of the brain, which is an oversized brain because two people are sharing it. They just jam it back into the skull and put the skull cap back on and hope that it stays in there. I mean, the the narration even said we did our best and we just kind of pushed the remainder back into her skull. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I was thinking in my head. Yeah. That that's happened. very scientific. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so anyway, yeah, she, uh, Madison goes the next 30 years, years of her life, uh, you know, just normal living normal. She has some issues when she's young. We see some videotapes, uh, from when she was eight, nine, ten years old, and she's talking to her imaginary friend, Gabriel, but her adoptive parents just think that she's uh, talking to an imaginary friend. They know nothing about her past. They basically adopted her sight unseen from the medical facility that had her. Oh, and the reason that she spent the first eight years of her life in a medical facility is because her mother gave her up for adoption because her mother was a 15-year-old rape victim. Yes, take that, Texas. Uh, this 15-year-old girl is raped, and she is forced to have the child, which you can make arguments. You, you can bring, like, spirituality and religious aspects to it. Maybe this actually is. Maybe Gabriel was supposed to be the Antichrist, but she absorbed him. She partially absorbed him in utero, so now he's just, you know, basically a, a living tumor. And they even describe him as a tumor uh, to the point where we even have one of the most painful lines ever during that cold open. The cold open actually ends with the main doctor, Dr. Weaver, looking right in the camera and going, it's time to cut out the cancer. And then you get the big action music score and the, and the opening titles, uh, you know, the opening title sequence goes through. And uh, like I said, that cold open, if the rest of the movie would have been like that, I'm very okay. Cause uh, it was just so silly, schlocky over the top. Oh, where were we? Uh, Madison. Uh, oh, uh, okay. And then let's just get to the end because who who the hell wants to spend too much time with this movie? Um, well, the end end or the... Well, no, the I... first end. The first end. The first end. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so basically, Gabriel... Um, and mind you, when I say Gabriel, I also mean Madison because Gabriel is using Madison's body. And the reason that you're seeing all of the backwards memes that have been all over social media <laughs> is because, because Gabriel um, actually pops out of her skull um, fr- uh, from the back, um, almost the opposite of uh, Elmer from dam- uh, brain damage, Elmer from brain damage, whereas, whereas he popped out the front, uh, Gabriel pops out the back. Or Quato um, from Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but because his face is on the back of her head, he like 
bends all of her limbs the opposite way. So he's basically walking backwards. So while you're watching the film, you see the killer walking in a very weird, almost like he's deformed, you know, like, a, you know, some kind of mongoloid or whatever. Sorry if that's not an appropriate term anymore. I'm not sure. I'm not politically correct. Fuck you. Um, so this is what I mean about the second watch ruined my experience, because then when you go back and watch it and watch all the scenes with Gabriel walking backwards, where the hell is uh, Madison's face? Madison does not have all one length hair. She has she doesn't quite have bangs, but she has kind of long bangs that kind of flow off to the side. There's no way she could cover her face with her hair. She it's an impossibility. Yet in every single scene that we see Gabriel running around like an idiot killing people, we never see Madison's face behind them until the very end, until we get the reveal. But then at the end, the face is like, boom, right there. You know, like, like you can't possibly miss that there's a face on the back of Gabriel's head or the front of Madison's head, however you want to look at it. Um, so, yeah, that's a very poor decision. Now, there were some cool things that they did do um, during the scene where Gabriel kills the first doctor, Dr. Weaver. Um, when he when Gabriel reaches down to the floor to pick up uh, the trophy that he ends up killing the doctor with, uh, he's reaching down with his left hand, but his thumb is on the wrong side. It doesn't make a lot of sense when you first watch it. But yeah. then when you get the reveal, it's like, oh, you know, um, there was also some cool kind of cool um, shots. There's one scene in the movie somewhere in the second act where she is. um She's on the phone and there's a mirror right behind her. I don't know if you guys noticed, but that's not her reflection. Even though we don't actually see Gabriel look very closely, the woman in the reflection has longer hair than Madison. And it's also not styled the same. So I'm, I'm looking at her thinking that it, we were going to get that supernatural thing where the reflection in the mirror turns around or something. But we never got that. And I'm like, well, why did he shoot that scene that way? And to the, to this day, I still don't know why he shot the scene that way. But yeah, go back and watch that scene. She's I, I don't remember who she's on the phone with, but she's on the phone and she's standing in front of a mirror and the reflection behind her is not her. Um, so, yeah, a little cool stuff like that that James Wan did is nice. But then, like I said, there's just too many other mistakes. Um the movie also tips its hat during a chase sequence where the detective is chasing uh, Gabriel from a crime scene. Did anybody else think, why the fuck is Gabriel running away from a cop? If he's supernatural, is he just fucking with the cop just to have fun? So I'm like, like, if this turns yeah, the whole time, I'm like, why are you running from the cop? Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees don't run from cops. They don't give a fuck. So I'm wondering why the hell. So as I'm watching that scene, I'm like, well, okay, that means there is no supernatural element to this movie. And I think I was right. I I can't think of a a supernatural element. Yes, there's the whole thing with him having the ability of being able to suck in the energy from electronics in the room. And then, like I said, being able to broadcast his thoughts on electronic devices. But other than that, I don't know. There's not really a big supernatural element here. 
Yeah, uh, and then that same scene where the police officer is chasing uh, Gabriel, there's one shot right at the end of that set piece where Gabriel climbs up the wall and the police uh, the police officer shoots six to eight shots, misses all of them. And I'm screaming, you know, to the, at the television on my second watch. I'm like, what the fuck kind of detective can't make a shot from 20 feet? I mean, it's not like they were across the room from each other, literally like 20 to 25 feet away. And this guy who's a detective, mind you, not a beat cop. <laughs> if he was a beat cop, then OK, whatever. Maybe they're not as good with their weapons. But a fucking detective? I'm sorry. He would he'd be a better shot. I don't care that he was on the ground. I don't care that he just got pushed over. He would have hit Gabriel at least once. And that would have been a cool plot point, too, I think. You know, because then Madison would have woken up the next morning with a bullet wound and wondered where the hell it came from. Uh, I mean, that might be a little heavy handed, but I mean, the movie is heavy handed in general. They're not yeah, trying but to hide. That have, but mm -hmm. if, they, if they do that, then don't they if they do the, the twist with her waking up with a bullet wound, doesn't that kind of play its hand even earlier than what it does? Yes. And that kind of well, like, that's what I was saying, that it, it, might, it might be even too heavy handed. For a heavy-handed movie to say that something might be too heavy-handed is a uh, yeah, pretty big deal. So I can see why they didn't do that. But it still really bothered me that that supposed detective, and not a new detective either, because his partner uh, was a female uh, who was older than him, but he was definitely the superior. She was his subordinate. And yet, like I said, he's a terrible shot, really. That's fucked up. So it's just another one of those suspension of disbelief things that we have to accept that I tend not to accept. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, so uh, let's see, where are we? Back to the ending. Um, Gabriel is at the hospital room where his birth, where his and Madison's birth mother uh, is staying after she fell out of uh, Madison's roof or through her ceiling, I should say. Um, Gabriel shows up. Uh, the sister is also there. The adoptive sister, Sydney, who I mentioned earlier is uh, an actress in the film. Uh, she plays an actress. Um, and we basically get a scene where Gabriel is about to shoot the sister. And then we actually do see that Gabriel actually shoots Sydney in the head, definitely killing her. But then suddenly the scene of the background starts to melt, just like it had been three times previously for Madison, where the background, uh, basically the setting of her house melts away. And it's the setting of the house where the murder is taking place. Um, so we get that same gag. And then suddenly out of nowhere, as um, Gabriel is threatening to kill Sydney, uh, it's almost like Madison just said, okay, fuck it. I, I have dominion over you. She she literally just decides that she can keep him at bay. Like out of nowhere, she she just says, no, you won't hurt my sister. And we get the shot inside of her head where her and Gabriel are like face to face. Mm -hmm. And she puts him in a cell, almost like the boxes from the sh um, from Dr. Sleep. That, that that's adult what I, thing. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I thought of. Exactly. I got one worse than that. Oh, do yeah. it. The um ending, the um fight in the near the end of the movie, um X Men Apocalypse. Oh, nice! Wow, we got we got Transformers, X Men, Basket Case, Seven. Oh my God, this movie! Ah, 
I don't like I said, James Wan. It, it's almost like this movie is James Wan's homage to to cinema, to everything, to everything. <laughs> it's his whole. It's his homage to everything. I love this movie. I love The Matrix, so I'm going to steal a piece of that. I love uh, Dead Zone. I'm going to steal a piece of that. I love Basket Case. I'm going to steal a big piece of that. Uh, you know, I love just... the use of red and blue in Argento movies. I'm oh, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yes. And of course, I love CG, so I'm going to throw CGI all over this damn movie. <sighs> oh, okay. That was the last thing I wanted to bring up, is the reason that I fucking hate the CG in this movie. If Gabriel would have turned out to legitimately be some kind of supernatural being, a ghost, a specter, whatever the fuck you want to go with. I wouldn't have been mad at this movie. Exactly. I would totally accept the CG. Just like the lipstick demon in Insidious, the, the CG doesn't look great. I mean, that's 10-year-old CGI. When you watch it today, it doesn't look great. But you know what? I still accept it because he's a fucking demon. Um, Gabriel is just a person. He's basically uh, a personality using Madison's body. Why the fuck did you go with CGI? It doesn't make sense. That's why I was screaming parkour during that fucking scene because when he's going down the fire escapes because it just looks fucking ridiculous. At times, you can't tell which appendages are his arms and which appendages are his legs. It's just shot so confusing that you can't really see what the fuck is going on. So, yeah, that is my reason why I hate the CGI here because we have a human antagonist. If it's a human antagonist, he should be able to do human things. I'm okay with the Kung Fu, whatever. Uh, Neo in the Matrix learned Kung Fu in five seconds, too. So whatever. If I accepted it there, I'll accept it here. <laughs> but yeah, the use of CG, oh, Mr. Wan, I'm sorry, but this is a movie that should not have had this much CGI. Learn how to make fucking fake blood and learn how to use wire foo, you know? It just, <laughs> it's, you know. This Yuen Wu Ping is still alive, folks. Just saying. That's what I mean. You could have hired Wu Ping. What the hell? <laughs> and it would have looked amazing. But nah, let's just do it the cheap way and make it look stupid. And that's what they went with. Ooh, man. I sound like I hate this movie, but like I said earlier, I don't hate it. I just don't like it very much. There's a I lot to it. like. Yeah, Willis hates it, and that's valid. And everybody else who hates it, very valid. Um, there are stuff, like I said, there's elements in here that I enjoy. Obviously, Don and Mike, I think, enjoyed it much more than I did. Um, but for whatever it's worth, yeah, it, it's going to be hard to find two people who feel the exact same way about this movie. You're going to get a big spectrum. I loved it. I hated it. I liked it. Meh. You know, so many different opinions. But I don't know. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Who knows? Ultimately, this is the number one horror movie in the country right now. Um, even though it only made like $8 million, it did still pass out Candyman for its third weekend of release. So I know a lot of people are going to be checking it out. It's going to make a, you know, it, it's going to make a decent amount of money. But obviously with the HBO, with the simultaneous HBO Max release, that's going to cut into its uh, profit margin a little bit. But ultimately, it's it's part of the uh, discussion right now in the community. This is the, the the new big theatrical release in horror. It's James Wan, who most of us, you know, genuinely love or at least like. And um, obviously it's going to be the biggest topic right now. And hopefully after this episode, I never have to talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite scene of the movie is, I believe it's when they're watching the VHS yeah. tape and getting a explanation of 
what exactly is going on with her, and you kind yep. of see like the skeleton of oh. the uh, of of the twin like coming out of the head, and, and to me, like that was really cool. Like conceptually, I thought that was really cool, and but where it go? Like I wish we got like more just like that kind of stuff uh, in the movie instead of just what it became. Um, and it is weird because it's like, even though I say I like the third act, I do if you kind of isolate that out. But contextually within the rest of the movie, it just feels disjointed. Like it shouldn't be there, even though I like it. It it, it, it gives me you know, like conflicting feelings about the third act just because of how different it is from the rest yeah. of the movie. I completely agree with you. In and of itself, the third act is fun. You know, it's an over-the-top, silly, fun, kind of reminds me a little bit of the jangly man sequence from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. But again, not nearly as good. Um, but yeah, like I, like Mike said, and I am absolutely agreeing with them, the third act by itself, awesome. But in, in the context of the first two acts, it just cha- it, it flips the script and it's, it's too much of a hard shift for a lot of people. At least for me, it was too much of a hard shift. Uh, same here. I, I'm with you. I enjoy it, but it's so just drastically different. It's just like whiplash. Yeah, exactly. Because like I said, you're 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 watching like a gritty, dark, you know, potentially haunted house story. You know, uh, a specter that's attached to uh, to Madison. Whatever. It's dark. It's awesome. Well, to some, to me, anyway. But then, man. Maybe maybe if it would have gradually gone to the action, I might have accepted it more. Mm-hmm. Like if it was a gradual uh, upgrade to it, but it's literally out of nowhere. It's literally Whoa. it goes from a horror movie and then Madison gets arrested. We go to jail. Boom. It's an action movie. I'm still well, trying yeah, to I... figure out since the thing had backwards body parts, how the hell was it jumping around and stuff like as yeah. easy as it was? in the movie that's one thing that didn't make any sense to me since it wasn't supposed to be quote unquote supernatural only a supernatural being that would turn around like that would be able to do all the acrobatics the way it did you yeah. know what game will remind me of you know them action figures from back in the day when they had one half of the body and it had another half on the other, and you squeeze the legs, and it turn around, and it turns into a whole nother person. That's what Gabriel <laughs> remind me of. Nice. I just shook my head. It remind me of one of them old Paolo action figures or something like that. Nice. <laughs> and, and if you broke the string in the back where it's supposed to turn around, it all flapped around. So that's what... <laughs> it just re- walked around? That's perfect. Yep, that's who... Gabriel remind me of I'm like man it just was lazy 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 Gabriel just limbs flopping around all over the movie <laughs> doesn't yep. know which you can't tell which way he's running he's facing one way but running the other oh god it gets, it gets so weird but yeah like I said folks if you like this movie on first watch never ever watch it again because that second watch it's going to mess up a lot. You're going to, you're going to be watching the first two acts and looking for mistakes and you're going to find them. Cause I found a lot of them. You're going to find some cool stuff too. Like I said, the thumb being on the wrong side in certain scenes, 
um, things like that. Uh, the way that it puts its coat on, because because Gabriel's backwards, technically, he puts his coat on in a really oddball way. And it it's kind of cool, but also kind of silly at the same time. So um, it's the kind of thing uh, it's going to be up to the viewer on whether you like it or not, because it, it's not object. Uh, it's not objectively cool, but. I found it interesting. Let's go with that. So, yeah, like I said, the movie does some things right, but it does a lot wrong. And unfortunately, this is this is like a, a puzzle that has really nice, like 24 karat gold pieces uh, for some of it. But then other parts of the puzzle are, you know, uh, soggy particle board. And somehow you have to put it together into one cohesive picture. And unfortunately, I don't think we got that with Malignant. There, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think there's things to like about the movie, but as a whole, it's kind of a disjointed mess that pulls in too many different directions. Um, but I fully acknowledge that my criticism of it is what others might actually like about it. So if if that's the type of thing that you like, cool, because it's definitely getting pleasant plenty of positive reaction so obviously there's a market uh for this but for me it just was just okay like I, i'm not gonna say i didn't like it it was just an okay movie it's such yeah it's such a weird film because when you you look at all of the positives in here the positives are really really good and they're really impactful but it's just so weird that the flaws in this are like 10 times more detrimental even though you still have like really impactful positives like the negatives in this are just so prominent and so detrimental mm-hmm. it was a cool movie and then somewhere somebody just got fucking greedy that's what happened with this movie <laughs> yeah yes. that's perfect it feels like they had a 90 minute movie but then the studio was like hey can you add 20 minutes to that and james wan's like all right i'll throw some i'll throw 20 minutes of police procedural in there and we'll have a movie and it's like nah didn't really need it you know because the mystery is so easy to solve we didn't need the police officers in this movie they were literally fodder not that they right. died but still whatever <laughs> and you know what this movie had a, um exact opposite problem with the Candyman movie. I felt like the Candyman movie had like maybe 15 minutes cut out of it that would explain some stuff a little bit more. This movie had 15 or 20 minutes added to it that it didn't need. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. I I felt like Candy, and I think we even brought it up too, like the towards the third act in Candyman it felt like they yeah, somewhere it was decided we need to get to this part and then yeah, the third there should have been more the third act is like so rushed that the first two acts were so measured and so evenly paced that the freneticness of the third act just feels completely out of the blue yep perfect way to put it absolutely uh, okay can i go watch a good movie now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's plenty out there i would i would think i would hope Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with uh, that, I guess we will go around the horn, find out where everyone else can hear us. Venom, uh, start with you. What do you got? What do people need to listen to? 
Um, once again, we do have a new episode of the main show, No More Room in Hell. Episode number 36 is now available, where we look at a couple of films from my year of birth, 1970. We look at The Wizard of Gore and The Dunwich Horror, and we also have some other little conversations about video games and some other stuff, too. No burning question this time, but still lots of, uh, Lots to listen to before we get to the feature reviews. So that's currently available. Check that out. On It's Not Horror, okay. Our latest episode is still um, Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, should I say Too Fast by Curious? Um, but yeah, check out that commentary. One of the most fun times I've had on a movie commentary. Uh, once again, that's It's Not Horror, okay. Also available on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. Uh, as Mike mentioned earlier, he and I have completed our stint on the podcast Under the Stairs Summer Series. We recorded the final roundtable episode last night, which was a, a quick, jaunty six and a half hours. But, you know, some people like long podcasts, so good for you. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're a fan of uh, podcasts Under the Stairs, you've got a lot of listening to do. You've got probably a good 75 hours worth of content between the 10 episodes, all the round tables, the, the people's jury, all that happy stuff. Uh, yeah, you got a lot of stuff to listen to. So enjoy. That is of course the review, um, the, uh, review of, uh, the best films of the 2010s. It is a decade review as anyone who's a fan of the podcast under the stairs are aware the summer series tackles, a particular decade in horror and we finally got to the 2010s and that's what we did this year so check those out you can hear me on the 2011 and 2018 episodes and of course on roundtable episode number three uh michael let you know what years he worked on uh when he's talking about his stuff but um, and then, of course, the same announcement that I made last week of my brand new show uh, and Don's, of course, where uh, we are starting a new show called No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comforts. We actually record episode number one this coming weekend. So look for that. Um, hopefully uh, no more than a few days after that, because this will be my first attempt at producing a podcast. So Lord knows how long the first one's going to take. But yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get that out uh, sometime before October. Once again, uh, just if you're subscribed to No More Room in Hell, you will get all three shows in your feed. So enjoy. And I think, oh, and then the last thing is In the Mic of Madness, which has been on hiatus uh, for woof, almost eight months now for Rebecca Reinhardt to work on all her independent film projects and everything else that she's working on. She's finally back home and ready to podcast again. So look for a new episode from In the Mic of Madness sometime in October. I assume it'll be some kind of Halloween special since it is October. So look out for that once again, also on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. That's it for me, Mike. All right, Don, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah. Um, so in addition to the, uh, Creature Comforts episode that's going to be recording uh, soon, uh, last week I mentioned that I was going to do a, uh, guest spot on a friend's podcast, and, uh, there is an update to that. Uh, just, uh, give me two seconds here, because, um, while we were recording this episode, I managed to, uh, confirm a few details. It's going to be on, on, uh, 
It's going to be with uh, friends of mine called the Phantom Galaxy Podcast. Uh, they're friends of mine that I shout out every day when they release an episode. They're like one of my daily roundups shows. And uh, we're going to be doing an episode on Indonesian horror. Uh, they saw the post I made about me doing uh, Asian Horror Month, and they wanted me on to do uh, Indonesian horror. Uh, just give me two seconds here because I have the uh, list here in front of me. And it uh, looks like the expected. Uh, suspects. Uh, we're going to be covering Impetigor, May the Devil Take You 1 and 2, Queen of Black Magic, and Satan Slaves. Uh, That's a lot of good ones. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Do uh, they make bad movies in Indonesia? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I haven't seen too many. Uh, <laughs> uh, with the potential to cover earlier stuff. Nice. Cool, so maybe I'll uh, roll Mystics and Bali at them and get a different opinion on them. <laughs> nice. Boxer's Omen. Boxer's Omen! That's <laughs> It's probably not Indonesian, but I don't care. <laughs> I can see that's, that's from Hong Kong. Okay, that's still... It's insane. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> oh, it's from favorite Asian horror. Nice. From of all time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, that was uh, given to me. Actually, while we were recording this, uh, it was about half an hour ago. Oh. Cool. So, uh, yeah, um, should be recording sometime next week. So, uh, yeah, um, date uh, the week of the 20th. So uh, we'll be recording it next week sometime. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably have uh, uh, I'll probably be mentioning that for a few weeks until it's out. So I don't know their release schedule. I mean, this is my first time working with them, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, just. Uh, like I said, that was the uh, the show I was talking about last week. Um, we've been talking all week, and uh, this was the last update that we needed, which was the the lineup that we were recording. And I just got that a half an hour ago. So, all right, uh, Willis, what do you got out there for people to listen to? NFW podcast, <laughs> of course. We've been cutting up a late. We've been doing a lot of TV movies. And of course, my YouTube page, Wildman Willis Reviews. Come on and subscribe to my channel because I got a lot of stuff. On top of the fact, folks, that Willis's reviews are some of the most fucking entertaining reviews out there. When Willis hates a movie, he lets you know, and they are. I, I can't tell you how just funny some of these reviews are. So yeah, please subscribe to his YouTube channel. It's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> All right. As far as I go, yeah, Venom mentioned the summer series. I hosted on the year 2014 and was an adjudicator on episode or the 2019 episode. And then, of course, we just completed our roundtable, complete with rankings of the top 30 finisher or finishing movies, which were all over the place. But I will not spoil any of it because it will be very worthwhile to listen to. So <laughs> check that out. If you're not familiar, the the 2021 episodes have already started uploading. Mm-hmm. Um, so just look up Podcast Under the Stairs on your favorite podcast app. I believe it's still uploaded to most of them. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's all I got, because that's really all I've had time to <laughs> do besides our own shows. So... Yep. Um, Venom, are we going back to the theater next weekend? I can't remember if there's something or I don't not. think so, no. 
Okay. Uh, I don't think we have anything until Antlers, which is what a couple more weeks, I think. Well, which one comes out first, Antlers or Halloween Kills? Halloween Kills is October 18th. I think Antlers. Oh wait, it's the 15th. Yeah, so Halloween was, Kills. That's what I was saying. Okay. I didn't. I knew it was like the third week of October. Um, because there is there is a horror movie coming out the week of Halloween, and I can't think of it right now let me look on my list here nope that's not horror yeah it doesn't look like there's a whole lot until october okay well in that case we'll find something there's plenty of backlog for oh us. last night in soho that's the movie i'm thinking of that opens the week of halloween mm. interesting yeah because i i've said i thought um, antlers was in november you might be right yeah um I've got yeah. Oh God, World War Z two. Can we not review that? Oh God, that's I, really happening. Yeah, that's what it says here. <laughs> in, it's in the theater. I oh, I, I don't think it's theatrical. No. Oh. Okay. I haven't heard anything about that. I didn't even know they were filming it. Let's see. Yeah, I didn't even know they were filming that. I mean, I know that Fincher was having production problems with it, but. I didn't know they actually filmed it. I don't know that they filmed it. it I'm looking at something that says here, release date to be determined sometime 2022. David Fincher is back to direct. Brad Pitt is in it again. Blah, blah, blah. But the no, Resident, no, no, the no Resident Evil reboot, too, is coming out at some point. I just don't know when it is. Is that a movie or a series? It's on Netflix. Well, no, there's the Netflix like animated one, isn't there? No, that's like, already animated done. series. Yeah, I, I already finished that. It's only four episodes. Oh, was it good? Uh, if you really, really like Resident Evil, it's good. If you don't, you'll hate it. I mean, because you really got to know a lot of um, Resident Evil lore. Cause it's yeah, not- that's what I was going to say is how reined in is the mythology. Because if it's like early Resident it's- Evil mythology, I can be on board. But it gets so convoluted through the game series. That- yeah. I'm not sure exactly where this one takes place, but they do mention Resident Evil 4. They they mention how Leon saved the president's daughter, so it's it's at, at the very least it's after Resident Evil Four, but I mean yeah, there's there's you know Ada Wong is in it. There if you don't know the lore, yeah, you're gonna be lost. Okay. But it still looks cool. I mean Resident Evil those CG movies, you know whether you like the story or not, they always look nice at least for whatever it's worth. Have a couple of beers, watch some CG zombies. <laughs> Cool. Well, yeah, we'll figure out something for next week. There's yep. lots out there. But uh, Willis, thanks for coming back to the show, man. You're always welcome anytime. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you, brother. Mm. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, we're going to get out of here. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Fresh Cuts. Catch you in a week's time. Well, let's say bye to the listeners. Hail Satan. Later. This movie sucks. Peace.